You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yes, open heaven coming up in a couple of weeks' time. My view is quite hilarious, all of you using your Connect card, pretty much nearly almost every one of you. Um, just feel some empathy for me, all right? I've got lights on me. I can't be fanning myself with a Connect card while I'm preaching. Pray for me. Uh, we're going to get through this. I'm not going to make this super long uh, so that we can all get out into the sunshine, which I don't know. We can get out into the aircon. That's what we need. <laughs> we need the aircon. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year. This is the first 5 p.m. back. Come on, so excited about that. It's great to have everybody out tonight. If you do not know who I am, if you're new around here, my name is Bex, one of the team, and just love um, hanging out on a, on a Sunday night. It is the place to be. I understand there's a sausage sizzle afterwards, so we can reward ourselves with sausages. Yes, and onions. Mm-mm, delish. All right, I'm going to uh, preach a message tonight that I've called Hitting the Wall. And uh, before I read from today's passage of Scripture, I just want to get us all on the same page, and then we can pick up our story. So we're about to be introduced to Abraham. Abraham is the same person as Abraham. Uh, After this story, God changed Abraham's name to Abraham. He is married to Sarai. Sarai is the same person as Sarah. After this story, God changed Sarai's name to Sarah. If I ever flip-flop between any of them, you guys just go with it, all right? So we've got Abraham, who's married to Sarai. Sarai has a slave named Hagar, who Abraham ends up marrying because Sarai has got fertility issues and is struggling to conceive a baby. And so Abraham marries Hagar in order to conceive as a surrogate, So having a baby on Sarai's behalf, you thought your family was dysfunctional. You ain't got nothing on Abraham. Like you imagine Christmas dinner in Abraham's family. That is awkward. There is a lot of dysfunction going on there. And this seems really strange to you and I. This is an unusual scenario in our culture. It doesn't usually happen this way. But in actual fact, It was kind of commonplace. In Abraham's culture, if a woman was struggling to conceive, then she would use her servant or her slave as a surrogate. And so that's what's happening in this story. And we're going to read from Genesis 16. We're going to start at verse 4. It says, But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, This is all your fault. Of course it is. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. This is probably reflective of most arguments between husbands and wives. This is all your fault, and God's going to prove me right. Abraham replied, he said, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? 
I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. Then he added, and I will give you more descendants than you can count. So here we've got, we've got Hagar in this awkward and difficult situation. She's run away from her mistress, Sarai. She's run away from her circumstance. She's run away from her troubles. And she's found herself on the road to a place called Shur. Now, when I looked into it, that word Shur means wall. She's hurt. She's confused. She's been mistreated. She's probably tired at this point. She's very alone. She's probably feeling undervalued. She's unseen. In fact, all throughout the story, you don't ever, ever see Abraham or Sarai speak to her using her actual name. She's a nobody. And she sat at a place called Wall. And we can probably relate a little bit to Hagar. I kind of reckon we can relate to that feeling of hitting a wall. Stuck in our circumstance, tired, confused, maybe feeling a little bit hurt, maybe feeling a little bit unseen, undervalued, and we are sat at a wall. Recently, uh, Steve and I and the boys, we went to Archie Bros in Newmarket and we rode the Dodgems. And you know what? I thought to myself, I'm going to be a fun mum and I'm going to go on the Dodgems with my family rather than watch from the sidelines. So we're riding the Dodgems and it just so happens that I find myself run into a wall. I've hit, I've hit a wall and I can't go forward because there's a wall right in front of me and I can't go to my left or to my right because there are other people who are stuck and I'm kind of sandwiched in. The only option that I have is to go backwards. And as I put my foot on the accelerator and I turn the wheel in order to go backwards, my darling dearest husband Steve comes along and at full speed, foot to the floor on the pedal, he drives directly into the back of me, sending me straight back forward into the wall and sending my head in a ragdoll motion forward, backwards, forward, back. I don't know how many times it all went in slow motion, giving me an actual serious case of whiplash, like actually diagnosed with whiplash. And I had treatment for it. It took me months and months to recover. I still milk it every now and then. It's still gaining me lots and lots. Uh, But that's often life, isn't it? That's life. Isn't that so true? So often, We have that experience with this life that we are living. We hit the wall. We can't move forward. We feel boxed in. We feel like we can't go sideways either way. We can't go back. We end end up with a serious case of whiplash. We feel like we've been flip-flopped, tossed around by life's struggles. And in that kind of place, Hagar is sat and an angel, the angel of the Lord visits her and asks her two questions that I think just highlight the position that she's in. He asks her this, he says to her, where have you come from and where are you going? And if I were to ask anyone who felt like they were up against the wall those questions, I think the answers would go something like this. I've come from a past I don't want to deal with, a place I don't want to go back to, something I don't want to face again, but I'm looking into a future that is unknown, unseen, unclear, and a little bit confusing. To be honest, I've hit a wall. I've hit a wall. It could be a work situation that you're going through. It could be a relationship that you are in. It could be 
a health circumstance. It could be, often it's a culmination of a whole bunch of things that causes us to feel that way. It's hard, we feel stuck, we're unsure, and we don't know how we are to move on. And as I read in this story, as I read this story today, I thought, man, I can relate to Hagar. Man, I can relate. I can't go back to where I've come from, but I don't know how to go forward. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to get out of this situation. We've all been there. We've all been at sure, haven't we? At the wall. And so what do we do? Well, in reading our story today, there's a few things that I think we need to know. And I hope that this will help you today. The first thing that we need to know is this. God turns up at the wall. God turns up at the wall. Verse 9 tells us that the angel of the Lord appears and begins to have a conversation with Hagar. Now, there's something very significant about this that we can't just brush over. This is not an angel of the Lord. Scripture doesn't use the word an. It uses the word the. And that tells us something. It tells us that this is not just any other divine messenger sent by God. This is the angel of the Lord. This is God himself showing up to a place called Shur to speak to a nameless nobody slave and having a face-to-face conversation with her. And we see this as there's further evidence of this because this angel of the Lord begins to use the word I and starts making promises to her that only God can promise. When you see other, when you see an angel of the Lord, he said that they say things like the Lord will. This guy's saying, I will do this. I will greatly multiply your offspring. They will be too many to count. This moment is massive. It's massive in the course of scripture because it makes her, this moment makes her the first woman to have a face-to-face conversation with God. It makes her the first woman to have a visitation by the angel of the Lord. And it actually makes her the first and only person in all all scripture to call him, to give him the name El Roy. She says to him, you are El Roy, and El Roy means the God who sees me. I'm not sure what wall you're sitting at today, feeling unseen, but I've got to tell you that there is a God who turns up at the wall and he sees you. Not only is he a God that shows up in your circumstance, but he is a God who sees you, knows you, and calls you by name. And I'm not sure about you, but whenever I have felt stuck, whenever I have felt like I've been at an impasse, whenever I've been at a wall I can't get over, I have experienced a God who's met me there. We all need friends or family in our lives who we know that no matter what happens, we can just get on the telephone and they will turn up for us. Just last week, Steve and I locked ourselves out of the house. We walked out of the house, we popped the lock, we both turned around and looked at each other and said, you got the keys? He said, I said, no, you got the keys? He said, no, I thought you had the keys. And we're like, no, where's the keys? We couldn't find the keys. Anywhere we knew the keys must have been inside the house. And with both of our parents now abandoning us living outside of Auckland, we couldn't just ask them to come and rescue us with their spare keys. So we had to call a friend. And we called up our friend Tally, who is on our Manurewa team, but she's also a regular dog sitter of ours, and she has a spare key. 
and we call her up before I can even get the full sentence out of my mouth. We've locked ourselves out. She says, I'm in the car. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. We all need those people. We all need those people in our lives. Many of you will know Steve's journey that he has taken over the last three years, his health journey and subsequently his mental health battle. In 2020, Steve was in a pretty tough place and it was a bad day in the greenhouse. And I didn't know how I could make it any better. And so I called Mike and Liz Griffiths. They are part of our team here. They, Mike's now our executive pastor, both just incredible people. And as soon as I said, I need you guys, their response was, we're on our way. We're on our way. And sure enough, they turned up within 20 minutes. They were at our house knocking on our door. In one of our darkest days, they turned up. That's our God. He's a God who turns up. You've hit a wall, he's turning up. He's on his way. You're in a storm, he's turning up. You're in a battle, he's turning up. You've hit up against the impossible, he's turning up. You're facing a mountain, he's turning up. He's the one who ends the call with, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Hebrews 13.5 says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. In other words, he's saying, I'm on my way. I'm turning up for you. I'm turning up in your circumstance. He's a God who turns up in the wall. He turns up at the wall. The second thing I have realized as I read this story is that he's not only a God who turns up to your wall, he is also the God who sees beyond your wall. He sees beyond the wall. I can remember the first ever concert I went to, like proper concert, you know. Uh, as, a, as a Christian kid, you grow up in church, you go to a lot of concerts, but this was like a concert in a big stadium, right? <laughs> and so I go to this concert. Steve took me along to my first concert. Who was it? Ben Harper, opened by Jack Johnson. Yeah, there we go. It was super cool to listen to, but I gotta tell you, I didn't see a thing. I did not see a thing. I can remember standing there in the middle of the, I remember standing there, we got there early, and I remember standing in the middle of the big stadium. I was so excited. I was like, it's my first concert. I get to see Jack Johnson and Ben Harper. So excited. And then all of a sudden, the people started entering the room. And we're getting like shuffled backwards and more toward the middle. And as the crowd begins to fill the stadium and the music begins to play, I realize that all I can see is the middle of the back of the person right in front of me. I saw nothing. Steve's trying to lift me up above the crowd so I can get glimpses. I'm like, what is he doing now? What's happening now? And he's telling, he's trying to give me little snippets of what's going on, of what he can see, because he's like a head taller than most of the people in the crowd. But I couldn't see a thing. He was trying to tell me everything he could see. He was trying to give me glimpses all the way through. And when you are sat at sure, it is very hard to see beyond where you are stuck. You can't see beyond the wall. You can't see beyond what's immediately in front of you. It's like being five foot short in a crowded room. You can't see beyond that which is in front of you. And when you can't see beyond your present circumstance, how many of you know it's really hard to grab a hold of the hope that you have for a future, let alone let alone begin to go after it, right? Verse 10 again, though, it says, Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. This simple phrase, this simple phrase would have meant an enormous amount to Hagar. 
It doesn't mean a heck of a lot to us, but to Hagar, this was incredibly significant, and I'll tell you why. Because in Hagar's culture, the promise of descendants was probably one of the greatest promises or blessings that you could be given by the Lord. Because the promise of descendants was a promise of the future. If you were promised descendants, you knew you had a future. No descendant, no future. But, and God gave her a glimpse. He gave her a glimpse beyond the wall. He helped her to see a promise for a future that she could grab a hold of. He was pulling back the curtain and showing her around the corner. And I am thankful that I serve a God who sees beyond I'm thankful that I serve a God who sees beyond the present circumstance that I am facing. And I'm thankful that often he actually shares with me glimpses of that future. He shares with me glimpses of that future so that I can carry a hope beyond sure. And I wonder, I'm just wondering today what glimpses God has given you that you can hold on to that will give, give you a hope for a future beyond the wall that you're sat at? What promise has God given you that you can hold hope for, for your future? What glimpse has he shown you? What peak, you know, into the future has he given you of the promises that lie ahead for you? God not only turns up at your wall, but he also sees beyond it. And we're so so blessed to serve a God who will give us glimpses into it. He doesn't just keep it from us. He glimpse, He gives us a glimpse into it. And I'm going to ask the team to come and join me now because not only does he, he turns up at the wall, he sees beyond the wall, but he's a God who makes a way through it. He's a God who makes a way through it. What's real interesting about the Lord's instruction to Hagar is that he sends her straight back to the place that she ran away from. And I cannot imagine that that was what Hagar really wanted to do, right? I mean, going back to the place we are trying to avoid is not usually how we would like it to happen. Am I right? Uh, a number of years ago, like many, many years ago, Steve and I went back to the UK, where I'm from, and uh, one of my aunties loaned us a car, and we went on a big adventure, uh, to, um, we wanted to find Stonehenge. And it was about two hours drive. It was in the days before Google Maps and any, we didn't have a GPS, eh? it was, we had, we were paper mapping it. We had a paper map and I was navigating and Steve was driving. And we found Stonehenge and we were on our way home. And on the way home, we stopped for petrol, and we got petrol. And then in order to get back on the motorway to go back to my auntie and uncle's house, which we were not far from, we were probably about 30 minutes from their house, we had to navigate a rather complicated roundabout. And as we got back on this roundabout, we accidentally entered the motorway heading back in the wrong direction. Now, listen, you can speculate all you want, but I'm not going to go into detail about whose fault it was that we ended up going the wrong way on the roundabout. Some would say it was my fault because I uh, navigated wrong. Others would probably rightfully say that it was Steve's fault for not listening well enough. But listen, listen, we're over it. Hey, babe, 
<laughs> anyway, the most frustrating part was that in order to go forward, we actually had to go all the way back to almost where we had come from to be able to turn around and come back to the way that we needed to go, to reroute ourselves. We wanted to move forward to get to where we wanted to be, but until we went back, we couldn't get there. We would really pray a prayer that said, oh Lord, if you could just take me back to those terrible times. We don't pray prayers like that. Oh Lord, if you could just send me back to the place I've tried to avoid for the last 10 years, I'd happily go there. We don't pray prayers like that because going back to where we came from isn't usually part of our request to God. Usually our hope is that we never go back there, never, ever, ever, ever to the place that we've been trying to avoid. But I have learnt in my journey that in order to move forward into my tomorrow, I actually need to deal with my yesterdays. And sometimes the way through is back. Sometimes the way forward is actually behind you. And as uncomfortable as it is, and as hard as it is, if we want to move healed, whole, and fruitful into our future, we must deal with, heal, and work through the things of our past. Because if we don't, they will always threaten to hold us back. I haven't written this into my notes, but when Steve and I were um, youth pastors, we also ran, helped run kids' programs. And for many years, uh, we were leaders at our program. It was before Power Zone days. We called it Touchdown. We were the Touchdown All-Stars, and we were All-Stars in his team. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Uh, but there was one activity we used to do with the kids, and we would um, attach a bungee cord around their waist, and we would put a Coke can. You didn't have to offer much to get kids to do things in those days. Now you have to put a PlayStation or iPod or something. I iPod? <laughs> iPad. <laughs> and what we would put a Coke can, and then they would have to run, but we would have set up the bungee so that just before they reach the Coke can, the bungee coat holds tight and they go flying back to where they started. Now this all ended, of course, when kids got two broken arms, but what I'm trying to say is that if you are trying to move forward into your future without dealing with your yesterdays, it will be as though you are trying to run with a bungee cord tied around your waist because everything that you don't deal with will continually try and pull you back to the place you are trying to avoid, the place you are trying to run from. It's why we are so passionate and why we go on about why it's small groups is such a massive part of what we do because as we journey together, we get healed together. 
we get healed together. We help each other deal with the mess of our past so that we can step unhindered into our future. There's another interesting thing to learn about Shur, and that is that later in Exodus, the Israelites actually passed through that very same wilderness, the wilderness of Shur, right after they have crossed the Red Sea. I tell you what that tells us. It tells us that we serve a God who has a track record of making a way through where there is no way. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the sea for the Israelites, and he parted a sea for them not once, but twice. He gave David victory over Goliath. He made city walls crumble. He calmed storms. He opened blind eyes. He healed people. He healed people after everyone else had tried everything and nobody else could help. He made a way where there was no way. In fact, Isaiah 46 says, this is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water? He's a God who makes a way through. And it might not be the way we expect. It might not be the way we hope for. It might not be the way of our prayers, but he is faithful and he is trustworthy and he remains true to his word and he is a God who makes a way through. And I just want to tell you today that if you are sat here and you feel like you're sat at a wall, if you can relate a whole heck of a lot to Hagar, then I want you to know this tonight. We serve a God who turns up at the wall. I'm on my way. He's a God who turns up. He's also a God who sees beyond the wall. And my prayer, my hope is that he gives, he's given you glimpses right now of the promise of a future for you. And not only that, but we can hold on to a truth that says he's a God who makes a way because he has a track record of making a way where there's no other way. I'd love to pray for you today. I want to pray two prayers. First prayer I want to pray is for those who feel like they're at the wall. And the second prayer is for those who maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus. If, you, uh, if I could just have every head bowed and every eye closed, and if today, if tonight you're saying, Bex, I relate to Hagar a whole lot in my season right now. I'm feeling tired, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm maybe avoiding a past and I'm not clear about my future. I just feel a little bit trapped in between two places right now. I, I feel like I'm stuck at a wall. If you're here tonight, I'd just love to pray for you right now and just lifting you up to the God of heaven right now and lifting up your circumstance. And Lord, I just pray for every person who feels like they're sat at sure. And I just pray, oh Lord, that as they call out to you, as they pray to you today, Lord, that they would sense your, your Holy Spirit just with them, oh God. And Lord, even if they don't feel like you are there, I thank you that we can trust your word that says you never leave us, you never fail us. And so even in seasons we feel alone, we know we are not alone, and we trust in that, Lord. And we trust that you're a God who turns up. And I thank you that even right now you're turning up for every single person who feels like they're at a wall. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just give them glimpses to see beyond the wall. I thank you, Lord, that you see our future, that you hold our future in your hands. 
And even if we can't see the outcome, even if we're not sure how it's going to turn out, Lord, we thank you that you're a God who does, that you hold our future in your hands, that you have plans for us and a purpose for us, and we can trust in your word when it says so. God, right now, I just pray for every impossible circumstance. I thank you that you're a God who makes a way where there is no way. We believe you're a God of miracles. We believe you're a God who answers prayer. And right now, we just have faith and believe that, Lord, you're going to make a way. There's going to be breakthrough in some circumstances tonight. God, we trust you. We put these circumstances into your hand. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of your presence in any season. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.